Hello, welcome to episode 178 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week's episode, we have a special guest who's going to introduce himself here in a sec, but we're going to talk about all things magic <laughs> finance and maybe some things that we haven't touched on in the finance world before. It'll be a little bit of a unique perspective here. If you want to get at us on social media and tell us about your your cool finance things or what you're into from the show, uh, all of those links are in the description below. Yeah. Uh, we also have our TCG Player affiliate link. If you guys want to help support the show, you can follow the link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Uh, follow that link over to TCG Player. It uh, doesn't matter what you do after you get to TCG Player, as long as you use that link. Whatever you're... Per- Whatever you purchase will help support the show, and we would appreciate that. Now, if you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Ship a couple bucks in. Patrons get access to our show notes. They get access to our pre-show. Uh, kind of just more of us, um, you know, setting up the stream, setting up our mics, making sure the audio sounds right, but also talking about us a little bit, some stuff that you guys normally don't get to hear in the actual show. Uh, you also get put on my mailing list. Uh, coming up pretty quick here, I'll be doing my Patreon give back. So if you went in on that, chip a couple bucks in patreon.com slash casual MTG and help support the show. Uh, we also have our YouTube channel where you can watch uh, Brian's matches from our tournament this past weekend if you want to, without audio, unfortunately. Um, you also can watch a video version of this show and all our shows over there. So on YouTube, it's casual tryhard MTG and you know, subscribe, watch some videos, whatever. See what we look like. So the uh, the long video with no audio is dangerous because then people yeah. can just put in whatever they want. Oh, man. Yeah, doing mime time is probably not the best. <laughs> <laughs> we should beat them to it and make some kind of weird clip. There we go. Why'd you lose your job? Well, you see. Uh, <laughs> what happened was... Someone put I words got in deep my mouth. Faked. I got deep faked. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't me. Yep. Um, so with all that, we're going to talk finance today, and we we're going to talk finance with our guest Dom. Yeah, so, Dom's one of our patrons. Thanks, Dom. We appreciate your support. And uh, sent me a message last week uh, that we, you know, have been doing a little bit of finance stuff lately, and. Wanted to come on and give his point of view. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Dom? Why are, why are you qualified to talk finance? Yeah, so uh, my name's Dom, and uh, I go by MTG underscore Dom on eBay. And I was I, don't know, I was struck by your guys' conversation on TCG mm-hmm. player recently and selling cards or looking at finance via with that lens. And from someone who's exclusively eBay, I thought it was a good opportunity to they're coming to talk in uh 2020 i was in gap years between you know, bachelor's and master's degree and i was a security guard making very little money and working long hours mm-hmm. and uh on the side i was selling cards like a lot of people do and i decided that i was making enough money doing the cards on ebay to quit my job and do it and i've been doing it ever since so uh, almost, I think I'm at 9.9k sold items. Oh, in two years. Um, that's a lot of eBay. It's a lot of eBay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and made it, it, at least for my area and where I live, I, it's all relative. But I, mm-hmm. I make pretty good, pretty good money doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I just think I have a good 
an interesting perspective to add to the conversation of where we're at because it seems like we're in recession world versus 2020 it certainly doesn't look great out there doesn't look great right and (laughs) 2020 was such a frenzy i don't know i just that's when i started i started right before everything was shut down Mm -hmm. and then it might be worth talking about how 2020 might have been a a fluke in how 2022 forward is the real deal and what that actually looks like so i guess i can be that guy who has actually is actually doing it who's actually mm-hmm. making a living selling cards and give you my perspective on if it's a good idea or not or what's really yeah. what it's really about so all right cool so is ebay the only place that you sell yeah i've never well i do buy listing card kingdom mostly just because i figure it's just so streamlined that uh, the process of selling to them mm-hmm. that that that's my choice, and I've never I've never sold on TCG Player. I've never bought anything on TCG Player. Oh, really? Ever in my life. That's another thing uh, that we could talk about later. But not everybody has an LGS, right. like a very good LGS. Where I can you know, supply. I can get my sourcing from. But yeah. So yeah, just eBay is eBay is the bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you said that you do some buy listing stuff, but mainly uh, Card Kingdom. Have you? Is that the only place you ever look is Card Kingdom? Like if you're trying to, you know, you got some stuff left over that like may not be the right fit for eBay um, and you're looking to move, do you look other places or you only go to Card Kingdom? Yeah, everything, I think everything is good for eBay. Okay. Card Kingdom is having built a rapport with them, even though I don't mm-hmm. think they know who I am. That They don't know who anybody is, but right. having learn their process, what they like, guessing what they're going to grade something. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be more of that than anything. But no, I haven't looked anywhere else. Uh, I've done Cardsphere. The lack of tracking on the shipments, sometimes, depending on how big the shipments is, is concerning to me right now. Um, but I have done card, Cardsphere as well, which is not really a buy list, but another platform. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you used Cardsphere for a while, didn't you? I, I did. Like... I was interested in more like high end things, yeah. and so like you would get your like money up, and then it's like you say I want this card, and you wait for someone to send it to you, and a lot of times like that card never got sent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you'd be like, oh, there are these like forty like high end cards that I want, and I have the money for all of them, and then they just wouldn't come. So yeah. it was like it wasn't it wasn't doing what I wanted to do, yeah. and like like there was also, and you probably run into this where like. You might find someone who's like a store or like yourself that like, you're like, oh, cool. They have like 50 cards that I have that, that I want to get rid of that they want. And they have them all for like a penny. And you're just like, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't want to give away my cards and lose money on postage. So right. it was like hard to like find reasonably sized packages of like, oh, hey, I've got, you know, 40 10 cent cards like maybe i could send those to someone and not mind the stamp and then like be up 350 okay fine but like those packages were were hard to find dom do you how long i know you said like you kind of started in 2020 were you around much before that or was 2020 like really when you started i just started getting interested in magic ultimate masters i think was the first set okay uh, around that era, so so I'm I'm fairly new. Um, okay, you don't remember Puka Trade then? Uh, Puka. I do. I've heard it 
I've heard it, yeah. <laughs> Man, the heyday, heyday of Puka Trade was something to behold. I only got one fake tropical island from Puka Trade. <laughs> only um, one. Uh, I never I never bought or sold on Puka Trade. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Yeah, I think like it's the, pretty much dead. Their economy like the, blew up. Yeah. Like you could like put money in to get Puka points. So it like yeah. ended up like inflating the cost of everything. Yeah, they didn't have any mechanism for pulling points back out of the system. So like yeah. things just got super high. Yeah. And it like collapsed and then like Cardsphere came in and since it was a monetary value. Yeah. It it made they, it so it was a little bit better. Cardsphere also has a cash out option. So there's like mm-hmm. a way to get um I believe it's ten percent to take out. Yeah. But there's a way to get like points back out of the system so the economy doesn't collapse. Yeah. I think card sphere is great if you're want, if you need cards for your deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a better place. It's a buyer's market for sure on card mm-hmm. sphere. Yeah. I wouldn't go into card sphere looking to make a living. It's, it's not big enough. Yeah. But it is a nice option. I mean, it's good to know every I mean, I'm aware of like TCG. I think TCG Direct. That is the one I I've looked into and and it looks interesting. But I'm not I'm not ready yet <laughs> yeah. to jump over. Yeah, I don't know anybody personally. I don't think that um, like does TCG player selling. I think it's probably one of the easiest places to buy because like all your options are right in front of you, and it's easier. Uh, kind of comparing it to eBay, eBay can be kind of hard to navigate for like the kind of buying that I do. Um, like I've been around long enough where I kind of have all of my modern staples or legacy or whatever. So if I'm like trying to build a deck, usually it's only like newer stuff that I'm looking for. And I tend to do that like as a set comes out. So I'll look through like a whole card file of like everything in the set and like pull out what I'm looking for that way. Um, And that's like, that's kind of what TCG players built for that. Like that kind of stuff is harder to do on eBay. I think it makes it harder for you, you think. Um, because a lot of times I don't know exactly what I'm looking for when I start making my order. Um, so like it, kind of like when we went through the, I don't know if you watched the video version of the episode or whatever, but when I pulled up TCG player, I just sorted by streets of new Capenna and went through every card in new Capenna. So you can pull up, you know, Obnixilis or whatever, and you see every version of Obnixilis with all of the sellers, foil, non-foil, and you know what the sellers are listing them for. And I don't have to search for Obnixilis; it just like comes up. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested in your guys' perspective. I was gonna say, yeah, that is something I think eBay's trying to work on is a sort of slowly, but working mm-hmm. on a way to make it easier for the consumer to organize by set organize yeah. by color organize by whatever you're looking for by rarity and, yeah. and i get that i get that as the cons- from the consumer's perspective they're um ebay's definitely making strides towards like catering to the ccg market though they've introduced that like grading thing that they do now where everything's got to be certified and they're definitely work and we kind of alluded to it in the pre-show but they changed their shipping too um there's like a flat shipping for um like cards now where there didn't used to be um and i think that makes things a lot easier both for the buyer and the seller when you're you know looking at cards on ebay 
So yeah. they're definitely trying to like make make their way into the market for sure. Yeah, eBay's categories they're really focused on are collectibles, mostly CCGs, mm-hmm. um, like watches and purses. It's just so odd and like automotive, but mm-hmm. for some reason they've seen something in CCGs uh, to put a lot of effort into changing. I don't think a lot of people, r- real quickly, a lot of people know about a standard shipping label on eBay. Mm-hmm. People still think eBay is processed via PayPal. That's not even true anymore. Yeah. They have their own processing uh, yep. system. They've changed quite a bit in the past how many years, uh, especially since 2020. But yeah, the mm-hmm. standard shipping label is you're going to get, if you buy a card for a buck, someone's going to ship it to you. It's going to have tracking on it now. <laughs> you know, that's yep. pretty cool. And it's going to be very cheap for them to ship. Mm-hmm. I haven't been on eBay in like years. Like literally, I've been uh, trying to clean out the garage lately, so I've been listing some stuff on eBay lately. Gotcha. And yeah, I didn't even know that they had moved away from PayPal until I uh, sold some things and was like, "Hey, how do I get my money?" <laughs> I know. <laughs> like my my brother uh, has classic cars, so he's <laughs> on there all the time buying like random like you know nineteen fifty eight and so headlight yeah headlight bezels and hood yeah. ornaments and stuff. So. We got the, like the eBay angle, so like uh, one of the things that kind of caught my eye was in the thing that you sent us was a lot of the, the things you talked about, like kind of your concerns about like what Watsy's doing with reprints and like cards and sets in general and how that's impacting you, and I think that how it impacts you also impacts all the listeners in like when they go to buy their sig- singles. Like when, what the, should they expect? So what have you been seeing in the last like couple of years? I'll start with re- right now real quick. And just addressing that single sellers and single buyers are, they have a symbiotic relationship inherently. And we both rely on Watsy to be best they can be. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that they're doing that right now. Um, I'm sure they're fine with the money they're making, but concerns me with what they're doing right now especially if i'm going to do like a mass box opening or something because you can't buy singles if singles don't get opened now you could say card kingdom star city games they're going to open their boxes sure but they're going to charge more probably you're not going to get a deal right um so uh, independent sellers we sell more than they could ever sell as Mm -hmm. a collective and uh but if I'm, what what this has made me upset recently is the inconsistency of how they're constructing each product. Yeah, I'm I'm like okay, you introduce a new product, a new a collector's box, uh, a collector booster, or a booster. Can we please have each product? Can we find something that works and stick with it so I know <laughs> what to expect when I open it? You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. a huge huge issue for me right now which is why i'm not opening boxes because it's a wild card i don't know what they're going to do i know they probably release it somewhere what the printing of each pack will be like but i really don't have time to worry about that i wish it was yeah Yeah, like we've talked about that well for a long time when we were doing our um like our set review episodes we would have to spend time breaking down like what came in each booster pack because it changes every set and nobody ever knows yeah, it's like what what treatments, what different foilings, what different frame styles, yeah. how many 
how many frames are there in this set? Oh, like New Capenna has like three or four, and it's like I just stop. Like, can we? Yeah. Can we? Can we stop with all of this? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, looking at like we like looking at EVs on boxes recently. Yeah, like, they're all negative. They're abysmal. Like every single one. So it's like if you buy a box, right? You've got to. Like, even if you wring everything out of the box, like, the EV is not plus. Yeah. And, like, the chances of you wringing everything out of a box aren't great either, I'm sure. Judging by all the bulk you showed, you know know very well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I don't think I... The weird thing is I don't think I've ever opened a booster box that I haven't been able to turn into a profit, but it is picking a carcass, Yeah, essentially. And unless you're doing it full-time, unless it's your job, you're not going to do that. Right. And I'll put up a common play set and make fifty five cents off of it. It's kind of my standard price bulk play sets is is it to the point where I know I will net fifty five cents. Yeah. Um so it all does add up, but but the the the, the lower the what's how's how would you say the lower the ceiling, I suppose, the less likely I'm interested in opening a box to take that risk and yeah. put that all that extra effort into and and, and very recently, I've been more and more worried about the time value of money, how to maximize the money for the hours I put in. And that's not wise to pick the carcass of a new Capenna mass box opening. Right. Yeah, like I don't if, know if anyone's doing that. If your EV on a box of new Capenna, right, is $72 for like just like what the individual cards are. And then you can get a little bit of a premium if you're like, you know, put your play sets together and charge a little bit extra. Right. But like, you know, if you're spending five, six, seven hours to squeeze like a hundred and twenty dollars out of like your eighty dollar box, like your your hourly rate's not great, right? And it's a lot yeah. of work. Right. So more and more, I'm moving away from that model, and it's it's partially economical, just generally in the in the world right now. But it's something. I think it is something Watsi is doing that's a problem. I can't, I don't have all the answers, but it has to be the variance, right? It has to be inconsistency and in knowing what the product that you're buying is. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be reprints. It has to be a culmination of all these things. And, and with this new set, even, I've saw, I've seen, have you watched the, have you watched any box openings of this uh, Commander Legends, Baldur's Gate? No. No, that's kind of the reason why we did last week's episode the way we did because i don't think either of us are particularly interested in this set so that that was your chance to get content out of that set from us yeah yeah i, I and i know you guys aren't huge edh yeah. players anyways it's definitely probably not for any it's not for anybody but edh players yeah. largely at least to open a box oh and no what's frustrating is it seems like 50 percent of the time the box will have no rare lands like, that's rough if you go and watch rudy watch uh you know i'll, I'll, I'll plug pack pack opening addict he's pretty cool there's mm-hmm. some guy, guys on youtube who, who do a lot of box openings and you can get get some stats on on what that product looks like and, and yeah it's it's like why is the rare land cycle a, the biggest chase and i don't think it's supposed to be well i mean what traditionally are, they were like if you go back to you know, like the fast lands or shock lands or fetches or whatever, like they, they kind of were 
like the chase from the set. You know what I mean? Traditionally, that's how they were. Now, that's recently, cool. like with the land cycles that we've had, they haven't really been, you know, competitive playable. Uh, although I don't even know what that means anymore because competitive play is significantly different than it used to be. But and that that might be what's keeping the um, like the price of the land cycle down also. But um, it, like that used to be what drove the price of a set. Yeah, the Battleborn, it, I'm not, it, yes, but you should get at least four of them, yeah. you know, in your box. Like, the Battleborn, the Battleborn lands are very desirable. They mm -hmm. got up there, too, and you should never open a box for 110, whatever it's at now, 120, and get none of the rare lands. I mean, you should, you, you expect three to five, right? It's, I'm not saying people don't, that wasn't a chased after a card, but. Didn't they, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they change the number of packs per box for this set? Looks like the set boxes are 18 packs. Yeah, which might be why you're not seeing as many of the rare land cycle. You're seeing, you know, you're just opening less packs per box. You're opening, was it two thirds? Yeah. Yeah, rough, roughly. Yeah. And, but, but why wouldn't they up the print run of the rare lands if you yeah, need I, them? Well, like deck? that doesn't change though. Like the number of packs per box changes, but like their distribution, they still have the same number of cards in a set. Just because you want to see more of a specific card, like they would have to print less rares in order for that to work. Yeah, because like, you know I mean? of how they like print the sheets. So like you know, I remember with cons, you would get you'd get one to maybe three fetch lanes in a box, mm -hmm. but like you would have, uh, but it's like you had. 36 cracks at it at like right. and so if, if they go down to you know 24 packs or 18 packs it's just that some of those some of those rare lands that you would have opened are like in the next box because yeah. they still put put the same number on the sheet but i think a bigger problem other than you know maybe like uh, than this is right like it used to be that you would get a set and you would have three months with that set Mm -hmm. right and now there's so many products that as as a buyer there are only so many products you can interact with before you mm -hmm. like have to like sell a kidney tap out yeah like you just <laughs> I like, mean, I even can't like if money's not an issue though like you just get overloaded like there's way too much to keep up with way too much yeah like you said that we were talking in the pre-show you're like does double masters uh preview start next week I have no idea. It very well could. I don't know. I think it's soon. Yeah. I mean, it might be after um, whatever alchemy arena thing they're doing. It might be after that, but, but it's like, soon. It, it's so hard. Like you, like they they're they are hyping up magic all the time, but not individual cards and sets. Right? You just are like you go from one thing to the next. So it's always new magic. But you don't have a chance to like really sit with cards for a while and be like, oh, this card's really good, or I want this card. It's just like, oh, that set was neat. What were the cards I ordered from that? Ooh, new shiny thing. Okay, I'm going to move on to that now. Yeah, it's like you go to a nice restaurant for like a chef's you know, special dinner or something. They got like a five-course meal, but you go to sit down and, all right, we got 15 minutes. Ready to go. Yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm sure they're making money. I'm sure they are required to make more and more money by their, their shareholders or whatever. Yeah, shareholders. Yep. Um, but it's not consumer friendly. 
at all. If I were to walk in and buy a Baldur's Gate box, I I have no clue what's in it. I know there's some dragons in it in the -hmm. the Rare Lands. I don't know any of the characters. I want to know the characters. I want to get invested in the storyline. Is there a storyline? No, but does anyone know? I don't don't think there is a storyline. Yeah, right. It just doesn't... They're not letting it uh, marinate. Or they they don't let anyone set breathe. Like, I heard... uh, Like, New Capenna. I'm not a huge story person, but, like, I randomly heard someone say, like, oh, yeah, the story from New Capenna was really interesting. Like, it's a city built on the ruins after the Phyrexians destroyed the world. And, like, the angels were there to help fight the Phyrexians. I was like, no clue any of that. I, d- uh, I, I just knew they were like gangsters and taxis and magic now. And <laughs> no, that was that was what like, I knew. It's like, what is it called? What's the style? Neo, whatever it is. Um, Art Deco? Art Deco, yeah. And yeah. I knew it was Art Deco and I knew Omnixilis was there and he's wearing a suit now or something. And that's all I know. Yeah, but like you, you're like having shifted from the three block uh, the three set blocks to now just like you're in a world and you leave, like it's harder for them to tell stories and have people get invested in like the sets in the, the cards. Like they're like, they're doing a lot of like, here are these flashy cards and there's nothing like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot to bring people in. And there's a lot of people that magic is the story mm-hmm. in the characters and like it's just like no, I we can't make money off of story and characters. We make money off of moving cardboard. Yeah, so false because that's all Pokemon does. Right. Yeah, like, that's all. Do people play? I don't know. I don't. I mean, po- Pokemon at least in our area is kind of the gateway drug to magic. Like, well, our, I mean, it used to be. There are currently more people that show up for. Uh, I'm sure Pokemon at the game store than show up for. Any constructed event other than Commander. Yeah, um, it used to be like part of the reason our LGS ran so many Pokemon events was he was trying to set kids up to become Magic players. Yeah. Like get them used to like playing with cards and strategy games and then move on to Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we still have people who play around here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it used to be that like people were really invested in the story. And... You know, like, oh, I really relate to such and such character. And I was just like, yo, who's that character? Uh, he's a vampire demon lord guy. I don't know. Well, like that kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier, though, about how there's no consistency anymore. Like back when you and I both like got back into the game, everything was consistent. You know, you ha- you were the- on a plane for three sets. There was a big set, small set, big set, core set. There was a story. The spoilers were done the same way. The story was released the same way. Like every, you knew what was going to come the next year. Now that they've changed to like anything goes, they've changed the way they do story too. Like they, for a while, they put the story behind a paywall where you couldn't like read the story unless you paid for it. And then they started doing the novels that they weren't publishing any story on the internet. You had to, had to go buy a novel to get your story and then they started doing like the um were, were they called story cards or the showcase the story, story spotlight, spotlight. Cards. that's what they were yeah where like that's how you got your story and 
now I think they're starting to backtrack to the way that they used to do it. But you you lost all of those people that went to Wizards website every week to you know read the new newest section of the story. Like those people aren't coming back to your website. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not saying I would go to the website and read the story either, but I would definitely watch YouTube videos mm-hmm. on you know where what's going on in New Capenna. You know. Yeah. I don't even, but I'm so lost, I don't even do that anymore. I missed my right. mustache minute. Give me my mustache minute back. <laughs> like, like, didn't like Aether Hub, Aether Hub used to do that? Or uh, Ma- like that. I used to watch Magic Arcanum, or he's, he still oh, floats okay. around in my, like, uh, in my uh, subscriptions on YouTube. Dark depths of YouTube. Yeah, but, like, so, the, like, it seems like we may have lost some of that customer base. And, like, again, it's, I used to spend a couple hundred dollars a set release mm-hmm. and I have not spent that much a set release like on a set release in a while just yep. because there's too many of them. And I used to spend a couple hundred bucks on pre-release. Yeah. I would spend, I would do what four to six pre-releases. Yep. Plus then buy two boxes, mm-hmm. then fill out the singles I was missing and now it's like, well, I don't need all these commons and uncommons because <laughs> like, I'm not like, I'm not playing standard. So I'm not, I don't need like, Oh man, what if such and Wild such growth walker? Yeah. It becomes like a standard yeah. staple when I need them. Yeah. Oh, it's just fine. I had them. Now it's just like, eh, it doesn't matter. So well, we are losing also, those people. I don't know how much of a, how much of the actual, consumer base that was i mean it's it was consumer friendly to have a story mm-hmm. and to kind of disregard it is less consumer friendly what's ex- compounds on this sort of release uh extreme release cycle that they're doing is that now there's three types of booster boxes mm-hmm. and every set has a commander deck and there's probably something else and there's a secret multiple layer. commander decks multiple commander decks and secret yeah. layers and it's like it's it's it turns out to be rough. I mean, it's like how many products do you think they release in a year? Oh, way too many. Um, I think like last year was it sixteen months ago? Maybe we tried to count and we couldn't. Um, I think the professor did a video. It was somewhere in the fifties to seventies. Yeah. Um, I mean, like counting each secret layer as its own thing, because yeah. like I think last year. Well, I mean, they did 50 secret layers last year, even if they didn't do any other releases. Yeah, so it might have been 72 or 77 last year, if you count each secret layer as its own thing. I think you're more than that, because you got multiple commander decks for every set release. So you do have this thing where, like, there are more ways to get cards, which Mm -hmm. on from a player of Magic oftentimes leads to lower prices. Mm-hmm. but as a seller, it leads to lower prices and just makes your job harder on some level. Yeah. It's macro and micro in the amount of variance I have to deal with just yeah. trying to get a card from my apartment to someone else. And I, the, the other thing that I hate that they are doing, just to kind of go off a little bit, but it's still about this variant. I absolutely hate what they do with the, the list versus mystery booster. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I probably accidentally sent a, a, the list a list card to somebody when it was. It's it's becoming nearly impossible, and they don't change the date on the card. So yeah, well, I'm there 
there is no difference between a list card and a mystery booster card. I don't think. They're, they're, uh, I think they're the same. Yeah. And from what I understand, like on the back end in like some of the major inventory systems, um, they are cataloged together. So all of the list cards and the mystery booster cards would like quote go in the same box. Um, like that's how they're being cataloged because like they change the list all the time. So what are you going to do? You're going to have a separate like storage box for, I don't know, Theros list cards and uh, Strixhaven list cards or whatever. And no, like I you can't do that because there's no way to tell them apart. Right. The problem is when you go to list the card, they want to know where is, is it from mystery booster or the list? I mean, it's not a huge deal. Well, how, how do you from. tell though? Like there, there's, there's not even a way to tell, is there? There is no way on the card to tell. You'd have to go back and like look at, look at like the... open the pack. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to go back to Mystery Booster and see all the cards that were printed in it. But if they're already printing cards from Mystery Booster, yeah, into the list, then it's the same thing. Yeah, and Wizards, it, it, what I don't know. I mean, no I, I bought a bunch of cards from. Uh, someone and i wanted a gray merchant that was old bordered and mm -hmm. i got sent some other variant of a gray merchant and i was like hey like not mad like it was like 50 cents but you sent me like the wrong card can you send me the yeah. right one and they're just like yeah we'll just give you your money back we have we have some new people working and i'm like that's fine like whatever but if you know like if you're running a bigger store even you where you have some time to do it Right, it's got to be hard to keep track of, like, like when someone, you know, orders something, to make sure one you have the card that they ordered, like that version, right? Do they know the thing that they're ordering? Right, right. Like, does you know, Gray Merchant of Asvidel, this version is that the one I want because there's five versions of it now? Yeah. And well, that was the problem in Strixhaven too, right? Where the uh, like the foil etched cards on like the Japanese, um, like the spellbook cards or whatever, were nearly identical to the regular foiling. Foiling was barely barely visible. It was maybe just parts of the frame or parts of yeah. the artwork that were foiled. It looked, I mean, I, I can't remember how good. I did not open a lot of that set. Yeah, um, it looked cool, but they were just not distinct. Yeah, and they weren't. I hate to say this. Don't don't kill me, but they weren't flashy enough. That's fair. For what they were for yeah. what they were built as. Hey, you're uh, talking to a guy who had a, a full foil uh, legacy deck, so I, <laughs> I understand flashy and when and wanting it to yeah. be blingy. You had like, didn't a lot of suppliers just or give up and just go like, because like TCG is still like you're gonna get a foil. Can right. we tell you which kind of foil you're gonna get? No. But you're gonna get a foil, and it's like, well, that's not great for me to get a foil, right? Like, oh, I have three of this a foil, and one of another a foil. I guess I'll try again. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't go that far, but I have been tempted, and I've seen stores on eBay do this, which is like, uh, okay, Johnny's Pride Mate, dollar uh, twenty five, because you have to pay for the free shipping, dollar twenty five. You will get the card, right? I it will be from whatever set I pick out. You know, it's not gonna. It's 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 mixed sets. 
Yeah. Oh, they're, it, they're it, just it like the card name is a Johnny Pride mate. And it's just grab bag for what like what set it comes from. You exactly. get one dual deck. You get one M twenty. You get one M fourteen. Art will be different, and that I mean it streamlines it for the seller. And yeah. if the buyer pays attention, they know what they're getting into. Right. But I I usually don't do that. Sometimes if I can't put a playset together, all from the same set, I'll I'll mark I'll mark it as mixed. It'll be in the title, mm-hmm. obvious as 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 it can yeah. be. Um, and people buy them. No, people don't have problems with them. I got a. I got one more question before we uh, move on and change topics a little bit. Even though this is kind of moving on and changing topic a little bit, you've uh, you've mentioned mass box openings a few times. I don't know that all of our listeners know exactly what that is. So, yeah. like, what do you? I know it's different kind of for every seller, but what do you consider a mass box opening? Yeah, it's 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 relative. I'm not a massive store. I don't have a brick and mortar store. I'm not opening 300 boxes of a set. Mm-hmm. That can't people do that? Yeah, for, for sure. Me, I, for me, the biggest, most money I've ever spent in at a pre-release mm-hmm. was, I think it was 16 boxes of Modern Horizons two collector boxes. Whew, that's Ooh, a good I chunk of change. Some, I spent some, I spent some money, and I sold everything in one week before wow. release. And that was the goal. I had mm-hmm. a helper. I paid her. I had a helper. I had to have a helper. It was really fun to open, um, but it is essentially buying a ton of product, their pre-release or release, and flooding the market with it. Yeah. And Modern so, Horizons 2, was that in 2020? Was that when that came out? It was 2021. 2021, so, okay. So, so yeah, we, we did kind of open with talking about how things have changed, and I said I, I might work my way back. Mm-hmm. 2021, I had made... A good money. I made enough money in 2020 to save up money to buy at in 2022 or 2021. That was my big purchase, and I'm not going to be able to do a big purchase like that this year because of how slow things have been. Like in comparison, went from a, a I, I love, and I'm I know a lot of people don't don't love doing this on eBay, even though it's like the biggest benefit of eBay. But I'm a big auction guy. I really <laughs> believe in auctions. I I, I believe in in and being able to predict income mm-hmm. I making a seven. I know that if I list something today, it'll end in seven days. And in seven days, I will have some sort of money. Yep. Uh, hopefully it sells for what I, what I want. If you do large volume, I'll usually make out ahead mm-hmm. of auctions at least. I had one, one more kind of place I was going with that question about mass box openings, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, how do you pick like we talked a lot about you know wizards having a million products now how do you pick like what to do a box opening of are do you skip sets that don't look interesting or you don't think will sell do you like gravitate towards collector boosters instead of set boxes or like is the guaranteed foil and you know chance at a list card worth doing like opening a case of set boosters or mm, no no. Okay. <laughs> it's really right now. It, it, I think there's the best margins, even though it might take extra work. On, well, it's it's collector boosters. You have to you have to buy the collector boxes to yeah, in mass to make a, a good you you know you can make four or five grand in a weekend mm-hmm. to buy enough of them. Yeah, and that's what happened with with me with Modern Horizons too. Yeah, I was able to make that much off of it. Um, 
So that's kind of a unique point though, that, you know, the product that's meant for, you know, collectors and, you know, people that are looking for like the shiny stuff or whatever is at a limited print run is getting gobbled up by resellers looking to do mass box openings. Like that kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? <laughs> like yeah. the, the whole point of this was a uh, quote booster fun. I can't afford to do it anymore. Yeah. If I had the money, if I had just 10, six grand to burn when double masters two comes out, I would do it with double masters. So it seems to be the premium sets in particular. Yeah. I'm willing to open in mass the standard sets. And, and as you, as has been mentioned, standard is dead. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, you know, it's, so it's, it, six grand it, double masters two uh, collector boosters. What's that? Like seven or eight packs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, I, I have theories about that too. That's I don't know. I, I have to look at the sold listings on eBay to to buy into that. So yeah. I have theories about the sealed marketplace as well. I'm not into it as much, but oh yeah, you don't think sealed is a? You don't think uh, there's a market there? There is. I mean, obviously yes, but it's. I'm concerned. I shouldn't be concerned at all. It's not my problem. But these people that are hoarding boxes and 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 don't have an outlet for them, mm -hmm. don't know what the hell they're going to do with them. And it's the same with MTG Goldfish. Looking at like the value of a card, that's on paper. Like the card might be worth five dollars, but actually trying to sell it, you're only going to get three fifty four dollars for fifty. You know, yeah. I mean, it's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Exactly. Exactly. So when someone says my sealed collection is worth this much, I'm like, you're probably not going to make that much on it. And mm -hmm. I hope you know that. Um, yeah, but like that's no different than saying, you know, my collection is worth whatever. Like realistically, it's worth two thirds of whatever. But like, I mean, that's kind of the same thing for sealed product. Yeah, I guess my problem with sealed product, I've, I've always made this point, point uh, with people I, I argue with. I mean, they're sealed product extremists. Mm -hmm. They believe it. it. It limits your options of what to do. It limit. It limits. It is what it is. It's a sealed product. You theoretically open it and lose all your value, uh, or half the value, or whatever it is. Singles. I can. I can. If I want to keep a card. I can keep a card. If I want to sell them, I can sell them. I can build decks out of them. I can. I can. I have more options to maneuver in the marketplace with with singles than with there's more buyers i would say for singles as well than sealed overall we've we've talked about one of the big upsides of like a sealed draft booster box which it right. just feels dirty that i have to like make that distinction <laughs> is that like there is a game you can play with that box right, right. that would be a good honestly all draft boosters are good you know, I don't know anything, but probably a decent spec moving forward because I don't know if they're going to do away with them. Well, uh, I uh, I don't think they can ever do away with them. There's too many people that just play limited for them to just say, yeah, we're not going to do draft packs anymore. But like if if let's say <laughs> you have a you bought a case of Nuka Penna to hold on to because you're like, oh, man, like they they go up. Right. And on a long enough timeline, they will. But, like, this draft environment is awful. Yeah. In four years, no one's going to be like, 
hey guys, let's do a Streets of Nuka Panda draft. Yeah. That's not going to be a word anyone says. So, like, how much value does your box have beyond, like, the cost of the singles in it? Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a box unless I was confident that the EV would be good in the future. Right, like unless, you, or if the, the set is iconic. I don't think New Capenna is an iconic, no. iconic set. Or the no. Spark. Or the Spark draft. That's a great... No, it seems like it would be great. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with War of the Spark in particular is only people are still doing box openings of that set that's been out of print for two years. So, yeah. like, the supply of, you know, sealed War of the Spark product is going to run out at some point. And, I mean, like, if you had boxes of uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, right, that's a draft environment that people enjoyed. Mm-hmm. That, like, in five years, someone would be like, oh, you want to do a, a, a Kamigawa Neon Dynasty draft, people would be like, yeah, I probably want to do that. So that box yeah. is going to have more value, more than likely, than a a box of Streets of Nuka Pena. Yeah. yeah the, the, um, the dra- I, I always forget draft, and that is that is a good argument. It is another... It's a it's it's utility at all, besides being a investment. A way to get or, singles. I mean, but if you have a if you have a five six year old box, you, you probably unless the EV is good, you're not going to open it. So, it wouldn't be a, a method for me to get singles. Yeah, I'd rather just buy bulk. But yeah. it, it it is that sort of opening a bottle of champagne or wine. Yeah, or, you know, letting it age and then having an experience again, and that does give value to sealed. Mm-hmm. And I I do value that. I, I think that's valid. Yeah, but like, you know, it's it's hard from like a business point of view to be like, I'm going to buy this box and in like five years, it's going to be $70 more than I paid for it. Right. Right. That's not like a, that's not a thing you can like do and like build your business on is right. like, Hey, I'm going to hold on to this. And then in half a decade, I'm going to realize <laughs> a $50 profit. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's probably not what you want to do. So and you, and you, and you have to like be sure that you okay. You have to know how to ship things. You need to know how e- probably eBay works unless you have a sort of in person way that you plan to sell these boxes. You need to know how to package it. You need to know how to deal with customers that are normal. You know how to deal with customers that are crazy. You need to have a recognizable kind of brand or name in in the the market. I don't know how some of these people are going. Mostly guys, I would assume. Mostly. I don't know how these guys are going to offload a lot of this. Maybe they'll sell it to an LGS. But. Yeah, like if you if you like have a if you have a closet full of boxes, like what's the end game? Mm-hmm. To be like, I have a closet full of boxes, but then how do you turn that closet full of boxes into like mortgage payments or rent payments or whatever at some point? And like I think a lot of people lose sight of that. Yep. Yeah. At like, least with singles, at least with singles, we, I can and you can buy the sealed product, but it's. The shipping is going to cut in more than with just bulking up on some singles and selling to cards. For most people, know how to do that, or a card kingdom. Most people mm-hmm. know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Know? it's work, but so there's the the next thing on here, and this is something that we had talked about a while back in one of our uh, other shows, uh, or like maybe it was just James and I talked about it. You said there's like this category on eBay that is player built decks. And it seems like you're able to get a premium for like your playlists or your play sets because 
you've put in the work to open the box, to open the packs, put the four singles together, put them in a penny sleeve so that someone else doesn't have to like do the sorting and stuff, finding that. So like, is that the same kind of thing in like the player built deck thing is like, are you getting, are people getting a premium on like, if you were to buy the singles individually, this deck is $20, but because I bought the cards for you and put them in a box, I get to charge you 35 yeah, so it appears to be what's happening. This this year for me has been a year of sort of exploration in the market, mainly because I showed that picture in the Discord. Mm-hmm. I kind of just got texted for my LGS in December in the freezing winter. Hey, we have 300,000 cards. Would you like to buy them? I said yes. And um, now I don't know. This is me figuring out what to do with them. So... This is the this player build deck. I haven't come up with it. It's it's very po- it's semi popular. I'll say is you, how to make the most money on all this bulk for me. Um, now you would think just listing the playsets out would be more, and it, it just hasn't been that for me in 2022. The sort of static sales, right now sales have been a lot lower. Like I, I built a twenty dollar MTG Goldfish price deck, mm-hmm. twenty dollars, and I sold it for sixty five. Wow! And it was just a Lieza deck. Now the problem is, I thought now they're going to sell like hotcakes. They're not, so I sent them to auction. Yeah, every single one I've ever listed at an auction has sold. So it is a way to move bulk if you have a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I are you the, I get the like are you making up your own deck lists or are you like just you know taking uh you know whatever decks popular on Goldfish or EDH rec or whatever and Oh I if I no I I have uh one two three four five seven piles of cards next to me that I think like there will be a Johnny's Pride me there will be mm-hmm. Fleshbag uh Fleshbag Marauder the the mana rocks I use are Prophetic Prism and Manolith. Mm-hmm. You know, every deck is going to have one or two or one of each of those. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they're very low level, but they do seem, people seem to pay a premium based on the fact that they didn't have to put it together. Yeah. It seems like they are valuing the work that's put in and including the value of the cards. Yeah. That's really interesting because I think like we had uh, kind of posited a while back that that might be a decent way to not only move some bulk but also help like help newer players or more casual players like get into the game. You know, you move I don't know 30, 30 cards that are just going to sit in a box that might be hard to move otherwise. Like you mentioned, Manolith. Like I can't I can't imagine there's a ton of people beating your door down to buy you know thirty copies of Manolith, but you know, you put a copy of Manolith in 30 different decks and sell the decks and you get rid of your bulk for more than bulk prices. And, you know, somebody's really happy because they got a deck they can play. It seems like a really cool way if you're willing to put the work in to move some cards. Yeah. Um, what do you consider? This is an interesting question. I think people might want to know. What do you consider a bulk bulk price? Um, something... Normally, bulk would be like, at least in my opinion, something that I'm not willing to pay for. Okay. Like, I, I'm never going to buy a copy of Manolith. I've got, 
you know, piles of them from a couple different sets, I, I would guess that that is bulk. Like, and in my head, like the bulk rare is like ten cents. Like, ten cents to a quarter for a rare is kind of like bulk. Almost in my mind, like almost anything that's under a dollar, where like, where it's just, it's almost not worth like. You know, putting a stamp on it. Putting a stamp on it, exactly. Like if it's gonna cost me more to stamp it than it is to than it is for me to like sell it, it's it's bulk. So like somewhere in there. I would say card kingdom I think it's ten cents a bulk or air, roughly. Mm-hmm. Like five cents a bulk common and uncommon. I mean, very rarely, maybe eight cents for an uncommon, but not I think they're both five cents. So that is well, the marker I'm trying to hit is is more than what I paid for. Yeah, yeah. But, but if I can get above what the buy list will pay, for every card, mm-hmm. I'm really happy. Well, uh, like I'm, that's kind of the thing, though, is not every card is buy listable. Like there's cards that people aren't buying, and like obviously those are bulk. Car Kingdom is not buying any prophetic prisms or mana lists. Right. So if I think the average. And I, I also, because I can get these things done and listed in 40 minutes, I've timed mm-hmm. myself. So I can figure out my time, my how to spend my time more wisely mm-hmm. and get the most value. I mean, I would like to make, wish I could make $20 an hour doing this, but when you, when you throw stuff into auction, it's... Who knows? It's, who knows, right? So I'm, I'm, I am compiling data I have Excel sheets. Uh, mm-hmm. I have 38, I think, for sale right now. We'll see how they turn out. I hope they turn out well. It was, uh, as of what's right now, it's not great. It's only uh, 11, no, 12, about 12.50 uh, I'm making per day. Mm-hmm. That's net. That's in my pocket. So 12.50 an hour for the area I live in, in the yo, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's sadly above average. But it needs. I would really like it to be better than that. So maybe my goal is to build better decks, more enticing decks, better rares. Yeah. It, it, it is very controlled that if I add a nice card, I add an extra basic land, you know? Mm-hmm. It, still, because basic lands, I don't even consider, I don't consider them... Cards? Most, I mean, there's zero, zero, there's zero value to them in my well. mind. Wow. Listen, buddy, I got some news for you. I know you got 300,000 cards there you got to sort through and figure out what's worth something and what's not. So maybe maybe it's not worth your time, but there are certainly basic lands that are worth money. I I am aware, I'm aware, but I'm talking about Kaladesh basic lands. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, they're not. No, but even like not going back even that far, like um, some of the lands from like Scars Block, like some of those basics are worth money. Mm-hmm. So. I, 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 pull, I pull anything that the artwork looks like it could be worth money like that's basically yeah. where I'm, I'm I'm aware of some of the basic lands that are worth money but for the yeah. most part I'm pulling out Ixalan and Kaladesh lands yeah, and I, yeah. I mean they're birth, basically I can, worthless I can take a bath in them that's how many I have you know in yeah so I don't even factor them in I mean if you it could be 100 you know you could, I could do the math with 100 cards, and, and I'd still feel pretty good, but I mostly do it with 70. I usually put 30 basic lands in every deck. Mm-hmm. Blow it up. And I, I usually don't consider them uh, in the final. So 
like maybe something to think about. I, I know you said you're kind of gravitating towards like decks that you know or like trying to get rid of specific cards, but I wonder if it's worth paying attention to like themes that are upcoming in sets and you know selling decks that might fit into those themes yeah like I just, you know I brothers just, wars coming up like it might be worthwhile you know gearing your next uh you know pre-constructed decks towards like artifact themed or whatever so that somebody you know buying in or getting into the game or you know is going to go to their first pre-release or something is going to be opening up a bunch of artifact matter stuff from brothers war and you know now they have a pre-con deck to go with it yeah i yeah if I if I as long as I can be ahead enough to know that I'm paying my bills, yeah, and then start thinking about the future more. But like I'm more, I got the you know, uh, Gates Commander. Mm-hmm. I plan to build a Commander deck. Mm-hmm. With, uh, I just went and bought the single at my OGS, and I have a bunch of Gates, and so I I am I am doing like Flavor of the Month decks as well. Yeah, um, I build decks, and I feel like sometimes I wish I, I kept a couple of them because. I guess this is another interesting point to talk about is you don't need a lot of money to have fun. You don't right. need to spend a lot of money to have fun playing Magic. Oh, for a lot sure. Of these decks, you know, with even just, just, I don't know, basic EDH construction knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think head-to-head, these three level, three level, de- you know, four level decks would be very fun to play against. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy building the decks. Um, I don't know. And like I said, it allows me to look at these cards that I don't get to see otherwise, or I don't pay attention to otherwise, and see some spec opportunities potentially. Yeah. So, have you only built like EDH decks for uh, like for the precons for sale on eBay? Yeah, because I just I'm not good at never been good at sixty card formats. I'm just not. um, And I never I do like uh, if I were to play sixty card with buddies it would be a limited format i would go Mm -hmm. by we'd go buy some packs it'd be 40 cards right (laughs) we do our own thing yeah that's fine Um, right what we would do uh 40 cards plus land what do you got i I don't know the rules uh the limited formats you only need 40 cards in your deck so like draft and sealed um you you know open for draft each player gets three packs and you end up with 45 cards and your deck needs to be 40 cards. So, you know, you add 17, 18 basic lands and you play, you know, 20 something of the cards yeah. that you drafted. What what I've done with friends is we just go buy uh, a booster box split it in half or split it in three, three or four. Oh, okay. We just build 60 card decks and just play oh. each other. I mean, I know it's not official rules, but mm-hmm. we're very kitchen table. I mean, most people are kitchen table, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. So, MTG. just poking around um, uh, eBay and looking at the like player, like I just searched player built decks MTG and got myself to player built decks. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, the vast majority of them are commander decks. Like, there's only a couple 60 card decks uh, floating around. Hmm. It's it's really not a market. It it might be, it it, it might be an untapped market, but it doesn't seem to be what people are selling and people are buying. Yeah, because like I could see like and then like I I clicked over to MTG Goldfish and went to their budget commander section, mm-hmm. 
and then was like looking and like they have an Avison deck. They have his eighty dollars uh, in the in the title, but it's one twenty. But like that, a lot of that ra- value is wrapped up in like four cards, and like you can yeah. build this deck for like you know, with some slight changes for like sixty bucks, seventy dollars. And then if you could sell it for a hundred, like that's that's not a bad, it's not a bad little profit. But mm-hmm. like one of the things that you know you have the advantage of, and like we had talked about, is like like building the decks. I think is really is viable when you've bought three hundred thousand cards of bulk, yeah. and you have just these cards laying around. Like, if you decided I'm going to build this budget commander deck and had to order a bunch of the cards. Right. Right. Then then they become infinitely more expensive because when you buy 300,000 cards, right, yeah. like, the average cost per card is not quite less zero, than- but it's close to zero. <laughs> Significantly less than a cent. Yeah. Yeah. So then at that point, you can, it's easier for you to, like, go, oh, hey, I can turn this into uh like i can put these hundred cards together and this costs me a dollar plus my time yeah actually yeah it costs it, it actually costs 50 cents per deck that i paid for those cards yeah um, in my time right yeah in your time but like i could see like doing something like that because like we had talked about it like for like popper decks there might not be a big enough popper community to like build or like learn to play decks yeah uh to like build decks and be like hey these are because like looking at popper decks like uh wow uh you've got like a deck that's 70 dollars 60 dollars 40 dollars right like the most expensive deck is uh cycle storm at 190 dollars thanks lotus petal uh but like you could build popper decks relatively cheaply but i don't know if there's a big enough market i don't know if we have enough brads in the world uh <laughs> who want to who want to buy uh uh popper decks that they didn't build right i mean i suspect a, a lot of my when i actually just do a single buy it now i list it um i suspect a lot of people that buy my cards are popper players um oh i think the 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 play sets of commons, like I'm a hundred percent sure. Cause I mean, uh, we had Brad on, and I think he even talked about like, that's how he gets his cards is he just goes on eBay and buys play yeah. sets of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, another thing, if, if, if I were to, I wouldn't recommend going into the air built custom commander deck world. If you're just trying to get into selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, if you have bulk of him, what I what I what I call inventory, you have it on hand. I would put them up. I would put singles up for sale, on listing, with multiple copies, mm-hmm. and fill out your store with that. So, my like I, we were talking about earlier, the the highest, um, the most card, the most single card I sold on eBay this year so far was Goblin Rally from Return to Ravnica. And uh, I make fifty-five cents a piece off of them, and I might just list a hundred goblin rallies. And I think this is something normal people can normal people people that don't have a living room filled with magic bulk, yeah, can still do. Uh, I can list off like just some really great sellers stuff to look out for. Kaya's ghost form, oh yeah, armor. 
uh, Mystic Sanctuary, Moon Mist. These are just great. People love them. Bloodthirsty Aerialist, Boyo Grazer, Lilianus Triumph. These are just you can make money off of these ball cards. They're not, yeah. Especially those uh, Land of War Elves. You know the obvious vicious mm -hmm. rumors. People love the uncommon um, Planeswalkers from War of the Spark as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably have a ton of those lying around. You you said vicious rumors like we should all know people are buying that card. Like <laughs> I mean that card was bad in draft. Who are these people? I haven't I seen that. that card. Let me do the math real quick. See how much I make per vicious rumor. So you have my wheels turning. I make eighty one cents I've made eighty one cents, eighty nine cents per vicious rumor this year. Dear God. Wow. Sitting on gold, Jerry. Gold, I tell you. That's putting them for sale as play sets. Oh, that's a one of. Oh wow. So, so there is clearly like an arbitrage that uh, I have I have discovered talking to you because <laughs> I can go buy goblin rallies right now on There's, TCG Player. This is why I should probably be going on TCG Player to source for, for nineteen cents. <laughs> And then you're selling them for fifty five cents. Yeah. Do you think that there's like, there's like a that people like James are few and far between that live in the world of eBay and TCG player, where you have some people that only shop on TCG, so they like their prices are TCG pri player prices or you know similar, and then people that just shop on eBay eBay, I would, I, my guess is eBay is substantially has a substantially larger base. Yeah, I would think that, you know, we've talked a bunch about the the mythical kitchen table player. Um, mm -hmm. I think the mythical kitchen table player shops on eBay, not TCG player. I think you have to be pretty, uh, pretty it's, invested. It's like an enfranchised in place. Yeah, before you even know that like TCG player exists. Uh. Just for just for a heads up, you can buy Goblin Rallies uh, on <laughs> on Star City Games for a quarter apiece. Yeah, yeah. I know. So, I, I, I'm just I'm just surprised, and maybe it is like the kitchen table gamer that is not. It's like I need cards. I get things. I get cards on eBay, and so. But I'm just like it's surprising that there's that big of a price difference. Well, so like, there's kind of not really a price difference, though. I mean, if you're buying them for a quarter a piece and selling them for fifty fifty five cents a piece, eBay that's, takes fifteen percent. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's my profit. I'm selling oh, them for a buck fifty five a piece. Oh, well, then that's probably someone worth is. It. <laughs> so, yes, a lot of people have bought a Goblin Rally from my store for a buck fifty five a piece. I gotcha. Free shipping. Mm-hmm. I, I, you crunch the you, yeah. Uh, you predict you predict what yeah. the the net will end up being. I know that it's fifty three cents to ship the card. I know I pay like nothing for envelopes. Mm -hmm. uh, I pay nothing for I. I also have a, a decent amount of in the amount of time I've been on eBay, I've been able to get a, a lot of followers on my store. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of recurring buyers, a lot of them, and there's a maybe there's a a, a bit of that where you mm -hmm. know. That people trust you because they bought from you before. Yeah, you know you're buying from an individual. It feels like that maybe more. Yeah. Um, I've had great conversations with my buyers, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, 
have buyers that come on and say, I had so much fun on your Saturday auction. Because <laughs> they sure. love they love the bidding war. Yeah. And if I, I had an auction, a Saturday auction is when I usually do my big auctions, uh, 200 auctions in one night, one day. And I had bunches of people just 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 message me saying I had fun yeah during the auction just yeah weird. i mean that's something else that i guess people don't really think about is you you kind of catch the uh they call it the auction fever my father-in-law is an auctioneer so i've been to many 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 auctions <laughs> i wish they, i wish ebay made a uh video sort of i wish i could sit there <laughs> oh and do the auctioneering the you can <laughs> you can not on eBay though. Have you heard of What's whatnot? That? Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah whatnot. Yeah. yeah, we have. Uh, we we were talking in the pre-show. Uh, one of our friends here is he's been trying to kind of sell cards on whatnot, and that's like they like live auctions. Uh, yeah. So you know, I don't know how that would would work, but no, it's it's interesting that there is that like that difference in price. Where you're seeing you're seeing things sold for significantly more than perhaps like the enfranchised magic player would expect them to be, to be uh, uh, sold for, because like that like that's I think surprising to James and I is just like yeah you're saying like hey here's this like uncommon that we've never thought of that you're selling for a buck fifty or something, mm-hmm. and it's like I I sometimes hesitate to buy like rares for like a dollar I'm like eh. I don't need it that bad. It'll come down, whatever. And there are people that are just buying cards for, you know, significantly more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, in, inside eBay, if you're not a seller, you if you pay for a store, a store subscription, you have access to, to data mm-hmm. and more listings and, and stuff like that. And uh, what I just I just love to, to go every month or so and see what my total that you could sort your sales by year, quarter week month whatever you want i just look at my year to date sales it's not good this year <laughs> the last few years but it yeah i don't th- i don't think anything's really looking that great right now right not as far but, as finance is concerned but you can organize the items that sold this year by quantity sold it puts it total sales is the next column the government fees that they take out uh which goes into the total sales total selling cost and then net sales mm-hmm. i can see you know, right, right away. I need to do the math on a specific card. It just tells me right away what I netted on on them. There's, uh, there's other things you can do. Um, I'll be giving away a little game here, but if you are doing this sort of one X copy of a card on eBay, I recommend doing. It's a discount essentially. You buy two, you get five percent off. You buy three, you get. So it's like letting them build the package deal. And it's everyone loves a deal, right? Except, except I end up netting way more if they buy four or more. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because you're not uh, spending a spending a fifty three cent stamp on four individual cards. Yeah, and, and not only that, uh, eBay and I wish they changed this for my category, which is CCG. I have a blanket site wide thirty cent transaction fee. So if someone buys one card, it costs me. You know, I've I've just I've baked in all of these. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know that like, if they buy one card, it costs you fifty three cents to ship it, thirty cents for the for the transaction. One time, right? And, and then, then, but if they buy four, it's still the fifty three cents and the thirty cents. 
regardless exactly. of how many. So it's way, way better if you can get someone to like hit the buy button on four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if these particular buyers are unaware of TCG player or unaware of different options out there. If they're new to the game, I don't know, but they are willing to spend <laughs> significantly more on singles um, and on the other sites. I mean, that's, that's yeah. interesting. Like that's yeah. just not something I expected. Me neither. Usually you think of eBay where, you know, you're getting your best deal. And, you know, if I think like I, I've bought, singles off of ebay before not recently but I, I have certainly bought a bunch of singles off ebay and i think the only time i've ever bought anything off ebay was when it was cheaper than tcg player i hadn't really thought of buying things more expensive than tcg player yeah it makes me think it, it might not be entrenched players um, yeah i'm not sure yeah i mean i could see where if you like went to like, let's say you, like, didn't have an LGS and you, like, went to a Walmart and you bought a, you bought a, uh, a pre-con deck and you played it with your friend and you're like, oh, man, this lightning bolt card's really good, but they only have one. Mm-hmm. I I want to get more. I'll just go on eBay because yeah. right? that's where collectibles are sold. So it yeah. could very well uh, be something like that. Yeah, I, I, I suspect as well that, I'm serving a lot of people around the country that don't have LGSs. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. Um, That's pretty I'm cool, just... though. That's kind of neat to think that you're helping uh, helping people play the game that wouldn't get a chance to play otherwise. Yeah. Unfortunately, they have to pay up, but, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, but still. Yeah. Cho- Chosen of Markov, I'm looking at this one. That is just a waifu card. I also do a waifu category. <laughs> okay. Are you familiar? I am not. I sold eight copies of Chosen of Markov this year least other part the problem with this sort of um database they do is if you run out of a card if you sell out and you relist it count as two different but i can look and see if i've put it up twice oh so all right here we go what what are you what are you selling uh chosen of markov for uh, flip side oh, oh oh no 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 i oh i know i i went and looked I mean, some people, some people could be in on the uh, on the front side. Both sides are pretty nice. It's Steve Argyle, you know. Uh, I think that's who it is. Yeah. He's, you know, people like his art. I think. Mm-hmm. I think of artwork. I think of waifu ness. Waifu ness. There, there's a word I've ever heard before. Does this card, does this card have the right amount of waifu ness? Also, on I've, both I've, sides. As the cleavage. On, uh, also on both sides, lady looking left. This as, is true. As we as we've established, a, a oh. huge a huge part of uh of of the magic scene is ladies looking left. Is that so, a thing? Huh. Uh, uh, James always uh, jokes about his ladies looking left commander deck. Oh, I, I don't have one. I heard it was a thing and thought it was hilarious. Uh, we could start selling ladies looking deck left. Pre-made commander decks. We could hashtag waifu hashtag vampires <laughs> done. Yeah, let me let me. I can have a so because I've just gone so hard in the commander deck thing. I just have a stack of legendary creatures. I have a stack of <laughs> rares on my beautiful desk that goes up and down. I have a stack of prophetic prisms and manaliths, and a stack of cool colored 
hate Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to find a left-leaning or left-facing. Uh, a lady looking left, man. <laughs> like, that yeah. is, that is what got, it's all about got, now. Got Marwin. There you yeah. go. Yeah, she's oh, an elf. Perfect. One lady looking left. There we go. Left looking elf tribal. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do enjoy building the decks. I think that's why I'm going so hard into it. But I, I think, I think we've just entered a time. Into like uh, going back to 2020, I was able to list one card. It was nice. I, I even I failed to mention this. I got lucky and bought a collection when I first started. A very nice person that I knew from my job. Uh, and it was probably, I mean, it was probably like two to five grand worth of cards. And he sold it to me for 600 bucks because he was moving. Wow. I think I think he even was aware. He's like, I just don't want them to go to you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think he kind of springboarded my, you know, this path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but just all, it was just before Double Masters, just imagine, like, all of the, the swords, all of the fetch lands, mm-hmm. just and I would just put up sword auction, not seven days, starting at ninety nine cents. Just do a ton of them throughout the week and just just rake in money. Yeah. And, and then last year I was able to do a lot of four card lots of random cards, mm-hmm. and they would bite, and I would get I would get a, a, a good amount of. I feel good because of the large numbers. I wouldn't look at uh, each individual card. I would think I spent three hundred dollars on this this mini collection mm-hmm. of cards, and I made three hundred dollars off of it, and I'm happy. Yeah, you know, profit wise. Uh, so I wouldn't. I would. I would not think of them in, in by a card by card basis, and more just like a lot by lot. I get that all sold and out the door in one week. And the, the, to, today, it's either I just I feel like I'm not not having access to as many collections to buy maybe that's not the case but people have not bid as well on the four card lots random card lots as they did last year so i'm now doing 100 essentially what is a 100 card lot Mm -hmm. these commander decks you just call yeah you just call them the commander deck so you mentioned this a few times and we're gonna have to end here shortly we're 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 going a little long but where are you finding your uh collections is it, you know, sometimes it's people that you know or your LGS, but like, where are you looking for these collections, uh, or if you are, to like get access to cards to move? Because like, I bought collections and it's been very much like people posting like on Facebook, like, I'm sick of my cards. Can someone come please take them from me. And it's someone local who maybe quit the game or is getting ready to move. But is that like just what you've done, or like are you going, or, you know, are you going on Craigslist and doing that hunt and stuff? So when I had more liquid capital, I was I was going locally. I would I would kind of I was kind of being known as this guy that would buy your collection mm-hmm. uh, at, from my LGS, and uh, then I went to Facebook Marketplace. I, I have had good experiences so far buying collections from Facebook Marketplace, and uh, but they'll ship it to you. They're going to ship it to you. So it's usually collections from uh, all around the country. You have to trust them a little bit. I don't know how this is probably before they, they probably changed their everything. Facebook marketplace is probably more official. It was kind of like Craigslist back then. And I never had a problem. And then I can find, I can find collections on eBay, but it's, it's a little slim pickings. 
right now. There's a lot of people hunting for him. Yeah. I think um, there's more people hunting for him, like in this day and age, than there was in the past because the game's more widely known now. It used to be pretty easy to go to a garage sale and find a shoebox full of magic cards because a lot of people didn't know what the game was. Like the more eyes that are on the game, I think the less chance there is of that happening nowadays. Yeah, and, and one one last thought on this. And now I'd probably rather, instead of taking a chance on a collection on eBay and, you know, they might be trying to scam you, mm-hmm. uh, with the front, they'll have one card worth money and the rest is, you know, they'll act like they they don't know what's in it. Yeah. You know, it is a risk there. It's a pile of Kaladesh cards with a fake Black Lotus on top of it. Exactly. Um, I'd walk into my OGS and probably say, uh, can you can I get three boxes of Jumpstart for two eighty? Open those. I love Jumpstart um, so much. That was and a cool always, product. Yeah, they still have some around me, and uh, I'm not, you know, I have I, I crack I crack boxes, you know, mm-hmm. and and turn and turn a profit on them. Um, when I'm if I'm low, I've just I'm not going to be low with bulk for a long time. Right. So, Back in 2021, I, I pro- probably opened a dozen or more Ikoria collector boxes. Um, mm. I probably opened 25 to 30 boxes of Jumpstart over time. Love that set. I love. It's always been profitable for me. Yeah, it's actually probably a really good set for the kind of selling that you do because, like, all of the even the commons that are you know in multiple different packs or whatever are fun cards that like more casual players would kind of gravitate towards and, you know, be easy for you to move a play set of. Especially in 2021 when we were like unsure about the supply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or was it 2020? Uh, the supply of Jumpstart. Well, when it first came out, it was really hard to get because right. like it came out and then the pandemic started. I was selling those thriving lands. I probably made, you know, you know, I, I was turning a profit on the thriving lands. Now they're, you know, a diamond. They're, they're less yeah. than a dime a dozen. Um, but I love throwing them in the commander decks because I now have a just massive stack of them. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was making money on the thriving lands. I was making money on the front facing cards. Yeah. Know, they're called the, the little tokens that come on the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're the mythics and rares in that set are underrated. People, I just people 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 are unaware of. Yeah. How nice that set is. So I think uh, I think we're drawn to a close here. Did you have any uh, parting thoughts or something that we skipped over you wanted to mention? Or oh, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. It is very um, rare, very rare that I get to talk about this with people that know anything. They're like, you uh, said what? We we enjoy it, man. That's uh, part of why we like the game, and really, it's like one of the only ways that we still get to interact with the game. So it's our pleasure. Um, do you want to tell people where they can find your eBay store if they want to buy some singles from you? Sure. You, uh, I, I think you can Google MTG Dom. Okay. MTG underscore Dom. We'll show up. I think. All right. Yeah. If you, uh, if you got a link, shoot Brian a link and we'll put it in yeah, the description. Yeah, I'll put it in the description so everyone can find you easily. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, no problem. A hundred percent feedback. <laughs> there, there you go, go. Seller. There and now you know what he go. looks like so you can go get him if he's not yeah if he's not good to you you know, where, <laughs> you know what he looks like uh, <laughs> I, could, I could write you a nice poem that, that was a joke man it's, 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, also, I like writing poetry. Random side note. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got a new book coming out, right? A new book coming out, yeah. It'll be called uh, Dancing in the Cobwebs. Ooh, there we go. MTG Dom. What was, what was your first book? Because I, I, I Googled it and I lost it now. Here We Bury the Hearts. There we go. So we have we have alerted doctor or sorry alerted alerted author on the uh, on yeah. the podcast. So that's that's the first to have someone who can write. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> I, can, I can write, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Sure, yeah, not a problem, man. We had fun. So with that, uh, I think we have a show. I think we got a show. So if you want to get at us on social media, you can find all those links down below. If you've got uh, ways that you're monetizing your collection or hey if you got if you got a collection to sell i'm sure hop into discord and hit up dom uh yeah he might be you your, he might be your guy um nope. so yeah uh please interact with us say hey yeah say hi uh great way to do that's in the discord that's probably where we're the most active hop into our discord there's a link down in the description if you want to check out what uh, Dom here has got for sale, he's MTG Dom on eBay. Uh, if you want to help us support the show, you can go to tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. That's our TCG player affiliate link. Whatever you purchase after following that link, we'll get a percentage of. Dom, if you're looking to uh, do some arbitrage there and buy off TCG player, use our TCG player affiliate link. <laughs> about time I if you guys, advantage of it. Yeah, there you go. If you guys are looking to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get access to our show notes. They get to listen to us ramble for about an hour during our pre-show. And you get put on my mailing list, which I need to do probably this week or next week, but soon. Uh, so if you want to end on the mailing list, chip a couple of bucks and help support the show. We would really appreciate it. And I don't think I have anything else. You got anything else, Brian? I don't think so. So with that, we'll catch you on the internets. We'll catch you on the internets. <laughs> <laughs>